And we wanted to start the series because post-pandemic has really changed or transformed the way we do church, the way we do spirituality, all right? I'm going to share a bit more about later, but today we're going to talk about uh, share brother, okay? But, you know, church attendance has dropped in many uh, churches, okay? Even for us, we are now arriving at our pre-pandemic uh, numbers, right? Just now, so that's what, one and a half years later, okay? But many other churches, like I have friends who are pastors, they had to be um, let go, right? They had to find other avenues of work, right? So uh, churches in, in other countries. So there's definitely a change in churches. I, in fact, I found this, you know, meet your maker, robot priest taking over the world by storm. And I got afraid, like, whoa, maybe one day a robot will replace me also, you know, past, instead of, you know, oh, welcome our our, um, our robot pastor, pastor robot. So I asked ChatGBT and AI, um, will a robot replace me as a pastor in the future? And uh, thankfully, he says no. He says, uh, while technology is advancing rapidly, robots are becoming more sophisticated. It is unlikely that a robot could fully replace a human pastor in the future. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, Pastor Tim, watching this, your role is safe, okay? But... I like what it says. It says because robots can't do pastoral care and counseling, okay? Because they can't understand the nuances of human emotions, right? Teaching and preaching, leadership and community building, cultural and ethical considerations, they can't do this thing. But when I look at that list, hey, that's not only a pastor's job, that's the kid's pastor's job. That's the teen's pastor's job. That's the life group, uh, life group leader's job. That's the worship leader's job. And it shows us that yes, while the church is advancing in technology and communicating, reaching the world and live streaming and all these kind of things, it shows us that there is still a very important element when it comes to building church that is the love, the care that we have for one another. And I want to declare... I want to say it out loud, and I could be wrong, but I don't care. That we are due a move of the Holy Spirit in Malaysia. That God will move in a powerful way, that it will be undeniable. That there is one God, and His name is Jesus. And by undeniable, I mean signs and wonders. I mean blind eyes opening. I mean deaf ears hearing, mute speaking. I'm talking about lame walking. That's the undeniability of a good God that I am going to declare, in, and I could be wrong, that we are due in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? Amen. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's why this series is so important for us. Because we want us not to be too, what's the word, huh? complacent about our faith. You know, sometimes we can say, oh, man, we have a wonderful church here and so many people come and visit us and tell us how, you know, how wonderful it is, how warm, how kind people are, how they're being discipled. But sometimes you can go into a place of complacency. Man, this is great. As well, my kids are taken care of. They're well discipled. My teens, my, my campus students, you know. Um, man, this is great. It's a good time just to chill, right? It's a good time to 
relax. It's a good time to just not do anything and just go through the motions, so to speak. Right? But, you know, we're closer now to the end of ages than we were before. And Jesus is coming back and he is desiring to see the harvest that he died for. He's de desiring to see the harvest that he died for. And therefore, we don't want the church to be too complacent about we are. And we can. We have a wonderful church, right? You can attend your life group from now until you, you die. And you know people are going to be at your funeral. They're going to take care of your kids. But what about the mission of God, the design of the church? You know, so we want to remind us about that. What is the mission of the church? Very simply, to advance God's kingdom through discipleship. There's no other way. God did not design a plan B. He had one plan to advance his kingdom at, at is through discipleship. That's it. That's why we at this church are, keep emphasizing it every week, right? Some of us are really tired of, oh my gosh, there you go, Pastor Balan again, talking about discipleship. You know, I see some of you already want to stand and go. No, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, my wife might want to go. She's tired of listening to me. Oh man, Pastor Balan, uh, talking again. <laughs> Anyway, joke, guys, joke. Okay, but mission of the church, mission of the church. Let's continue to do the mission. And what is, we're going through this reimagined church. We're going through the book of Philippians. Okay, it's a wonderful book, a very short one. You can read it in one setting, and I want to encourage everybody to read Philippians. But on this mission, right, we have this mission. Uh, imagine we're on this ship. That's why it's called discipleship, because we're on a ship. Okay, we're on a ship together. And then... But how do we, on this ship, relate to one another? This is what we're going to do about Reimagine Church. We're going to remind ourselves, okay, as we're on this mission, there's a way that we want to relate to one another while we go on this mission. So what is that way? Okay, in, in corporate uh, settings, the language they use, okay, what is our, our, our values towards one another? Okay, so what is it? Brother, co-worker, and soldier. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, brother, co-worker, soldier? Okay, so our main text today comes from the book of Philippians. So remember, okay, while we're on this journey to advance God's kingdom through discipleship, there's a way that we want you to relate to one another, whether in life group, whether in the various zones or ministry that you're in, whether here at church, we want you to know that each other is a brother, a fellow worker, and a soldier. So Philippians was written by Paul. Paul planted his church, you can see that in Acts chapter 16. He was in Galatia and he was in a fork in the road and he wanted to go east towards Asia, you know, preach the gospels to us. But however, the Holy Spirit says, hey, no, come to Macedonia, go west, right? That's why we traditionally, most of us come to know the gospel through westerners. Right? We have the Agmo people coming here doing missions, right? That's where we have all the saint uh, churches around, around Malaysia. So he went west instead, right? And it, it wasn't his design. It was the Holy Spirit's design. He said, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit tells him, Paul, come west. He had a Macedonian call. I can read that in Acts chapter 16. In Philippians, it's a wonderful church. While Paul is writing it, you know, years later, he's in prison. And he knows that the Philippian church are so worried for him because Paul is in prison and he is getting prepared to be executed for preaching the gospel. 
right? And, and they're worried for him and Paul is writing, him this, writing them this letter because Paul loves them. And he tells, like, he loves them so much, he says, you know what? I want to do more than write this letter to you. I'm going to send you Epaphroditus, my brother. Okay? And it's like Paul saying, you know, I can't be, be there with you, but I'm going to send you someone who is very much like me. It's almost as if I will be there with you. Right? By the way, Epaphroditus in, in Greek is the same as Lengzai. That's the literal translation of Aphroditus, uh, the comely in appearance in Greek, okay? So, we, so I'm going to send to you Leng Chai, my brother, my fellow worker and my fellow soldier, your messenger and my minister in my need. You know, Philippians is a wonderful book because it also talks about, you know, Philippians has some of the greatest hits in Bible, you know, a lot of people have the verse from, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's from Philippians, right? Um, so one of the key themes of Philippians is this. It talks about we are a people in process. Can you turn to your other neighbor and says, I'm in process. Yeah. When you are discipled, we don't expect a finished product on the day. Right? We understand that this is a journey. It's a journey of renewing the mind. It's a journey of sanctification, walking in greater holiness. Yes, as soon as you accept Christ, you get transformed, you get born again, your spirit changes, you desire to be holy, you desire to do righteous things, but your mind is still lacking behind. That's why you come to church, and so you be discipled, so that your mind changes, and then your behavior changes, and it aligns to the spirit that was transformed. We are all a people in process. So Paul talks about, I'm sure of this, that he who began the work in you will bring it to completion the day of Jesus Christ, right? So Paul is writing, okay, the day that you got saved, Jesus started work on you, and guess what? He's going to continue that work. Right? So if today, if you look back to when you were first born, I hope that you can look back and see, wow, my life has totally changed. From being that person before when I accepted Christ, I can see that Christ has been doing a work in my life. Right? And I hope that's an encouragement for you because that is the journey we're on. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed me, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his own good pleasure. Paul emphasizing, and hey, guess what? On this process, I want you to work it out. When Jesus renewed your identity, work out. Move or uh, discipline yourself to become the vision that Christ has put in your heart. Become that individual, the kind, the patient, the, the Jesus likeness, right? That's why we call ourselves Christians, little Christ. Right, become that individual. So work it out. He says, and when he says, you work it out in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. So he says, you work hard, but you know what? Understand that God is the one working in you to become that, okay? So anyway, so what, that's one of the key themes in the book of Philippians. Even as you read it at home, I just want to encourage you to go ahead and do that later, okay? So, but we are going to cover the three words, which is brother, Fellow soldier, uh, fellow worker and soldier. So this series, Reimagine Church, we're going to 
we want us to understand that as a Christian, as we go on this mission to advance God's kingdom, we'll relate to one another as a brother, a fellow worker, and a soldier. So today, we're just going to cover, cover brothers. Brother is covered 15 times in four chapters in the book of Philippians. So you can tell when Paul writes the Philippians, he feels very affectionate for this Philippian church in comparison to the other churches. So when Paul writes to Galatians, you can see that he's a little bit angry. But when he writes to Philippians, he's very, he uses the word brother 15 times in four chapters. That's almost like five uh, per chapter, right? So, you know, you compare that to Romans, which is 16 chapters. It's only been used 23 times, right? It's because Paul planted this church and he knew the per people there personally. He knew them by, by name and he knew them by heart, right? So when we talk about this word brother, what do we mean? Of course, in the Greek, it, it just means Adelphos, okay? Brother. When Jesus talks about brother, so he was in this crowd and his mother and his brothers stood outside wanting to talk to him. Okay? Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied to him, who is my brother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, here are my mother, here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. No, so we're not talking about the biological uh, blood relation brothers here. For Jesus, whoever does the will of the Father, he considers his brother. That's what Paul does too. He understands that when he says, I'm going to send you Aphroditus, I'm going to send you Elengsai, he's my brother. You know why? The same things I want to do in my life that the Father gave me to do, Aphroditus also wants to do. That's why he's my brother. And Christians is different from any other club or groups that you are in. Right? So uh, perhaps many of you, you're in a, a WhatsApp group with all your ex-classmates. Right? You're connected to those individuals because of experience that you had in secondary school or college. Right? But if you didn't have that experience, you wouldn't be related to them. Some of you are in like badminton groups. Maybe if you stop playing badminton one day, you wouldn't be in that group. So it is like interest-based brotherhood, which you can leave, right? You can, you can stop playing badminton, it wouldn't matter much. Well, here we talk about brotherhood in terms of our belief system, yeah? Which potentially for most of us, and I hope for most of us here, we won't change until the day we die. So we will remain brothers because of our deep-seated core identity as a Christian. So it makes this brotherhood far deeper, far different, separate from the rest of the other communities that we're in. Okay? And Jesus says this way. He points to his disciples. Those who follow me, that's my brother. So when we say, on this journey to advance God's kingdom, I hope we understand that brothers are disciples. That in our life groups, in our communities, 
we look at each other and we see, this is a disciple, he is a disciple, she is a disciple. We're all following Jesus and we're helping others follow Jesus. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest of my, all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having been confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So here Paul says, you know, I'm in prison, but you know what? Because I'm so courageous, man, the other Christians here in Rome are also now brave in speaking the gospel. Because they say, man, if my, what's older brother in uh, Mandarin? Is it Taiko? Is it Coco? If my Coco is in prison because of his preaching the gospel, man, I'm going to follow. Maybe Taiko is a better word, right? Like Taiko, like, like, gang, like the gangster. If the, if the, the, the leader go, they are like, like this, right? They see that. They see Paul, whoa, Paul Chung, we have to Chung, so why? He's our brother, let's go. Right? So brothers are disciples. And I hope when you're in your life group, right, that it'll be a place where you Chung together. You encourage one another. You challenge one another by your example. Brothers, rejoice in the Lord. You know, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And Paul says this many times, rejoice, rejoice. He, he, he repeats that word rejoice so frequently in his Philippians. And he understands this because the Philippian church are so uh, sad for him, right? They, they're wondering uh, what's going to happen to Paul. Oh, it's so difficult. Let's rejoice, right? So brothers, rejoice in the Lord. I have to uh, go very quickly. Brothers, imitate godliness and watch out for others. This is the one I really want to uh, spend time in. Brothers, join in imitating. Brothers, join in imitating me, says Paul. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to example. So Paul says, you know what, brothers, look at the way I live my life and I want you to imitate that, right? And I think we all have a family member when we, you know, um, go for dinner and when there's an empty seat, you know, I remember I have an I have, I have an auntie, and my auntie is like, we're having dinner. There's an empty seat, and she will say, "Hey, where is Samuel? Where is Sonia? Where is Sarah?" Right? She remembers that someone is missing. And here, Paul is saying, "Keep your eyes on those who walk." according to the example you have in us. You know, keep your eyes out. Who is missing from your community? Can we as a church live out this philosophy? As we are advancing the kingdom, we understand that there are no, there shouldn't be any empty seats. While you're at Life Group, you're having your meal, and you're thinking, where's that one, huh? Usually, this one is sitting here. He should be with us. Where is he? Where's our brother? Because that's what brothers do. They keep a watch out for one another. Are there any empty seats right now in your life? Should there be someone, right, there's an empty seat next to you where you sit right now and maybe you're thinking, man, 
yeah, actually, where is this person? Usually he sits here. Maybe my brother or my sister or my father or my mother. Man, it would be great if they were here sitting with me in church. Right? Can we have that? So brothers are a disciple of Jesus. They rejoice in the Lord, imitate one another, and they watch out for others. Okay? I'll just give you a contrast, a quick one. You know Cain and Abel? Right? Cain and Abel were brothers. Uh, Cain brought some fruits to God as, as worship. Abel brought like animal fat for worship to praise God. And um, Cain was jealous of his brother Abel. And Cain killed Abel. God comes down and asks, hey, where's your brother Abel? And Cain asks, am I my brother's keeper? You know, it's very sad if we go to a life group and maybe your coach or pastor team, hey, hey how is uh, Ali or Abu or whoever? And often life group leaders are like, oh man, pastor team checking out on me again or pastor Balan checking out on me. Oh, just wanted... But it's just that we care about that empty seat. Right? It's not like we're trying to you know, force something upon you, but it's just we care. But sometimes we can take the attitude of Cain. Like, Pastor Bala, am I my brother's keeper? Should I be the one to tell you where this guy is? If we want to reimagine church, the question is, yes, we are all our brother's keeper. Should I be the one to, you know, nurture this guy's, uh, he's adult what? Yeah, we can have that attitude, but then are we a brother or not? Such a contrast to Jesus. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that He should make Jesus, through His suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into salvation. So now, Jesus, the ones and the ones that He makes holy have the same Father. So Jesus made all of us holy and, and we have the same Father as Jesus. That's why we are brothers with Christ. Right? That's why we're brothers with one another as well. That's why Jesus is not ashamed to call, him, to call them, call us, His brothers and His sisters. Jesus is not like the elder brother in the prodigal son story. You guys know the prodigal son story, right? Two sons, one son asked the father for, God, uh, father give me all my inheritance, goes away, wastes it all. When he comes back, the father said, loves him so much. Oh, my son has returned, restores unto him his identity as a son, has a party for him. What does the elder son do? Complain, right? Hey, father, why are you so kind to your son, one? Why you have a party for him? Right? Well, you care so much about your, your son, one, but you don't care about me. And yet Christ is the one to die for the prodigal son. Not like the elder son and the prodigal. And I hope that all of us will become like Christ, this kind of brother. That we will pursue those who were not in our fellowship preach the gospel to them, disciple them so that they will have the same Father as us. Imagine a church with no empty seats. Imagine a life group with no empty seats. 
And I know what? We're all a people in process. That's why I love the book of Philippians. We're not there yet. Yes, I get it. We haven't become this brother-like figure that I've just told you about in Scripture. But can we all take that little step? For some of us, that's realizing, hey, who's in this life group that's missing? Who should be here today that's not here? Can I send them a text? Can I give them a call? Can I find out how they are? Where's my brother? Where's my sister? What's going on in their lives? So understand that Christ came when you were far, when you ran away, when you didn't know God. What did Christ do? Call you, message you, talk to you in your heart, died for you on the cross. Everything He did for you in order so that to you, for you to come back. So I'm going to pray for us that we would capture the spirit of brother with one another. Even as we enter into this new era of church, that it won't be a church that people come because of the production so fancy, the lighting so good, the, work, the, the sound is so good, the whatever. But this would be a church where people come because, wow, my brother is here. My sister is here. This will be a church where people come, man, I really feel like this is my family. People care about me. People won't let me fall astray or whatever. People love me here. I feel it. I feel belong. I feel like family. That's why we, that's the reason, you know, we want people, we want people to hear as we advance God's kingdom. That's the kind of response we want to get from our community. Yes, fantastic. Our production level, always fantastic. I love it. Great. But if we don't have a brother spirit, means very little because brothers are disciples. That's who we want to be. We want to make disciples. Okay. So I'm going to pray for you and then we'll go just uh, go to the next part of our worship today. Father, we thank you. You're a good God. You're an awesome God. And such a privilege, Lord, to have brothers and sisters of different backgrounds, different tribes, different dialects, different tongues. And we thank you, God, even as we enter into this new series called Reimagine Church, God, that we will reimagine ourselves as a member of this church. That we won't see ourselves just as an attendee, but we see ourselves as a brother, a co-worker, and a soldier. Jesus, I'm in process. We are all in process. But we want to open our hearts, open our minds to your Holy Spirit, to help us to reimagine ourselves in light of your truth. To reimagine ourselves in light of your truth, God. So we thank you. You're a good God. You're an awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.